I'm back. Peace, everybody. Welcome back to 2021 and a new episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. I'm your host, Messiah, and today is the return from the two-week hiatus. I hope you've used the time to refresh, refocus as I have, spent time with loved ones, and just welcomed 2021, and were somewhat thankful for the good and bad that 2020 gave us. But alas, here we are, another year, another set of growth, struggles, new encounters on the way. And I'm excited to see what this year has to bring. So I hope that you take Behold Pop Culture along on your journey. And as usual, let's dive in with the sports section of the podcast where I've missed my fair share of great games, both in the NBA and NFL. But starting with the NBA, there's been a slew of teams that have seemingly bamboozled us. The New York Knicks are good. The Cleveland Cavaliers have one of the best backcourts in the league. In this abridged season, we expected to see some rather unusual things taking place, but never would I have thought that the Julius Randle-led Knicks would be one of the best teams in the East. The Trey Young-led Atlanta Hawks would have one of the best offenses in the league. Meanwhile, the Russell Westbrook-led Washington Wizards will be one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Their defense is atrocious. Their offense can never put it together when they need to. And it's made for some entertaining games as somehow they find a way to remain in the competition late in the game but get blown out throughout the beginning. While I was gone, the James Harden saga came to an end. I was sure they would find a way to move him out of Houston, and maybe they still will. But all of his actions that were questionable, his leadership that was questionable, all of those claims seemed to die off once they started playing. Harden showed that he's still a phenomenal player even when he was a little bit overweight. And it remains to be seen if that front office will be able to pull off a deal to move him and satisfy his demands. Likewise, Steph Curry had his own bit of a saga where the Warriors came out looking atrocious. They were getting blown out by 30, 40 points like it was nothing. Seemingly every player other than Steph was struggling to even locate the basket on their shots. And there was a setup for this to be one of the worst seasons the Golden State Warriors have ever experienced. But in the middle of that, people started to harp on Steph Curry. Steph is washed. Steph isn't as good as we thought he was. He can't carry a team. He needs Clay. He needed Durant. He's way worse than LeBron. Yeah, he may be the best shooter of all time. But how far does that really take you when you don't have talent to carry you to the promised land? And seemingly at the peak, at the precipice, of this controversy surrounding the true value of Steph Curry, he dropped 62 on Damian Lillard. At ease, 
He immediately shut down all the questions. He followed up with a 40-point game again and has proceeded to go on a streak of about 37-plus points in four games. So it's fair to say that all of that controversy was shut right up right then and there. But amidst all of this, the overlapping story for the NBA has been and will continue to be whether or not they can tackle the coronavirus concerns. Now, as of this recording, the Philadelphia 76ers had their own incident where Seth Curry, the brother of Steph, had tested positive but also played in a game. So due to some complications that resulted from that, the Sixers are going to have to play a game with only seven available players. Now, by the time this comes out, you already know the results or you have the ability to check. But I'm very interested to see what it's going to be like having centers having to play point guard and likewise. That's aside from the fact that the minutes toll on their bodies is going to be ridiculous. But either way, the arrival of the NBA season means more content, more sports takes will be on the way. I'll be right alongside you throughout the NBA season commenting on what's taking place every single week. As I will also be alongside you as we follow the next few weeks of the NFL playoffs. Now I know as you're hearing this, you already know the results of the wildcard weekend. But with that being said, I can still give some thoughts on what I believe the results will be. And something I think will be a little bit more appropriate is if I put out my predictions on the new Behold Pop Culture Instagram page. Just at Behold Pop Culture, I'll be able to put out my predictions likely on Friday or Saturday so you can know where my head is at with that. And I'll speak on them on the upcoming podcast the Monday following those games. So this week, there's six wildcard matchups due to the new changes with the playoff scheduling. So to kick off the wildcard weekend, we'll have the Colts facing the Buffalo Bills. The Colts, led by quarterback Phillip Rivers, a man who was a leader for the Chargers for so long, an extensive career, and this year decided to leave and join the Indianapolis Colts and has led them to a playoff berth and will be facing off with the surging young quarterback that is Josh Allen, who has led the Buffalo Bills to a second consecutive playoff spot, but in the midst of it, put up an MVP campaign alongside Stefan Diggs, who proved himself to be one of the best receivers in the league. And I can't forget about either team's defense that put on all throughout the year, especially the Colts. They had their own stretch of dominance when Phillip Rivers wasn't even looking that great. But now they'll face off, and the matchup is so even that I have to go with the better quarterback here, which means I'll be picking the Bills to win this game and move on to the next stage of the playoffs. Stylistically, the mobile ability of Josh Allen combined with Stephon Diggs' offensive capabilities, I believe will frequently force the Colts to have to be adjusting. And after a certain amount of changes, just there's always matchup issues that arise. So when those matchup issues arise, when the random player gets open, 
I do trust in Josh Allen to find the mismatches and thread the needle when he needs to. On the other side, I think Phillip Rivers' lack of mobility will be his downfall. If the Bills can simply create pressure, he doesn't have the star receiver that's going to be able to consistently get open. They're going to have to get creative. Well-schemed runs, flip passes, and trick plays. I just don't have the same level of confidence that Phillip Rivers will be able to ignite the offense when he needs to, though I still believe this will be a close game. And right after this game, the Los Angeles Rams will be taking on the Seattle Seahawks, where this is a much easier pick for me. Now, the Rams have been somewhat of an up-and-down team this year. They still have a solid defense, and Jared Goff, their quarterback, has been able to get it done at times when he needed to. But the problem here is Jared Goff is coming off of a thumb injury, and Jared Goff wasn't even a phenomenal quarterback to begin with, so Jared Goff leading that team with a thumb injury will pretty much boil down to, can the defense stop Russell Wilson enough times to give Jared Goff or their backup quarterback, if they need to play him, enough opportunities to score. And frankly, with the way the Seahawks played to end out the year, and knowing what Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett are capable of at their best, I have to go with Russell Wilson here and the Seahawks. The Rams' offense has not shown me enough to believe that they'll be able to compete with them, to be able to put up enough points on the board. For them to win this game, I believe that the Los Angeles Rams' defense will have to completely shut down Russell Wilson, which is possible, but highly improbable. And the Saturday night matchups will end off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Washington football team. The Washington football team that just barely squeaked into the playoffs with a hotly contested NFC East has a phenomenal defense. They're led by Chase Young, who was just named the captain of the team in his rookie season. They create so much pressure on the opposing team's offenses that it's suffocating. And on the other side of the ball, they'll be facing off against the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady alongside three outstanding wide receivers if Mike Evans can stay healthy. Now, the only issue with the Buccaneers that I believe will create some pause in going with them is the fact that their offensive line might not be able to stop that defense. If Washington is just tearing through their line over and over and over and over, and Tom Brady has no time to make any decisions, all Washington will have to do is have an effective run game to grind out the Buccaneers and come away with a surprising victory. Unfortunately for them... The GOAT that is Tom Brady has been through this plenty of times. He has more than a fair share of experience preparing for a playoff game, and I believe there will be no stones unturned with regards to his preparation for this game. And solely because of that, because of the level of his IQ, because of the amount of offensive talent that has been put around him, 
I have no confidence in Washington's offense. So it would really come down to can Tom Brady get it done offensively? And because of his IQ, I think he gets it done and Tampa Bay comes home with the victory. The second slate of games begins with the Ravens versus the Titans where this was a tough one to pick. Do I go with the former MVP that is Lamar Jackson and believe that he'll figure it out in terms of completing his passes against the Titans? Or do I go with the Tennessee Titans who have been so dominant on the ground? The best run game they had their running back Derrick Henry run for over 2,000 yards. These two teams matched up last year around the same time. And Tennessee dominated the Ravens. It looked like their defensive scheme was perfect for every single one of Lamar Jackson's weaknesses. Not that there's a lot of them. But this year, will they be able to repeat the same exact result? Seeing what I've seen from Lamar Jackson this year, knowing how hard he's worked to improve on his accuracy as well as the fact that the Ravens will be healthy for the first time this year, fully healthy. I'm rolling with Baltimore. That might be one of the more controversial picks I'll make, but I have to believe in Lamar, and I have to believe in the Ravens' defense being able to do what they need to do to contain Derrick Henry. Meanwhile, the Bears and Saints will face off in what I believe should be a blowout. The Chicago Bears' offense hasn't been able to be truly ignited all season long. They've had their streaks where they've had good drives, but consistently for an entire game, they haven't shown that they can show up when they need to. And on the other side of the ball, the Saints' defense has proven to be solid, and the Saints' offense has been hot. They're coming off a game where without Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees threw for three touchdowns. And the game right before that, Alvin Kamara ran for six touchdowns. Their offense has been clicking on every cylinder. And I frankly do not have the confidence that the Chicago Bears will be able to contain them. As they've gotten everyone healthy on the team, as Drew Brees is finally starting to get into the groove of things, that team is just too hot to where, as it seems like they do every single season, the Saints have a real shot at making the Super Bowl this year. So I don't believe the Bears will be much of a problem getting in their way. And the wildcard weekend will end with the most difficult matchup to predict. The Cleveland Browns, led by Baker Mayfield, going through a lot of coronavirus cases popping up, facing against the Pittsburgh Steelers that were projected to go undefeated for the season and then out of nowhere just started being horrible. Their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, forgot how to play. Their actual plays being drawn up didn't work. Their defense seemed like it was lackluster. They didn't have the same flair. So how do I pick this? Do I go with the team that was so dominant for a strong stretch to start off the season? Or do I go with the underdogs here in the Cleveland Browns who seem to have figured it out with their plays and all they need 
is for their defense to show up and shut down the ever-immobile Ben Roethlisberger. As much as I want to pick the underdogs here, at the end of the day, the coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, he's a motivator. He's the one that lights the fire in his players when they need it the most. And as bad as they've looked, I know they've looked horrendous. They've looked like they could barely be one of the NFC East teams. I have to believe that Mike Tomlin can light the fire in the Steelers, especially against the rival Cleveland Browns, and they can return to playing at their full form. I can't go any further than that to say that they'll make the Super Bowl or anything, but specifically in this matchup against their major rivals, I don't think they will fold, and I'm picking the Steelers to move on. And that should be enough to cover the sports that I've missed over the break. And we could take a look at what music I've missed. Where luckily there wasn't too many culture-defining moments that took place. For the most part, the music industry was using the time to take a break as well. We allegedly are supposed to be getting a Drake album this month. J. Cole is allegedly dropping as well. So I think everyone was preparing to go into 2021, but there was one moment that needs to be talked about, and I'm going to have to take a side that I don't think many people will agree with, and that was the release of Whole lot of Red, the heavily, I have to emphasize, heavily anticipated album by Playboy Cardi. Playboy Cardi, the artist that had been on his own hiatus for a long time, like his intro, Playboy Cardi was heavily anticipated because his fans are so loyal to him. They wanted to hear so many songs that had been leaked. Cardi continuously pump faked his fans into believing that the album would drop. And even with so many occasions where Cardi seemingly disappeared when his fans expected him the most, he finally dropped the album Whole Lot of Red as a gift on Christmas Day. Now, unfortunately, I was still in rest mode and recharge mode, so I didn't dive straight into the album on Christmas Day. I didn't join along in that experience as I otherwise would have. But I did check social media to see what the temperature was, and it was worse than anyone could have expected. People were calling the album straight up garbage. You could have kept that. You made us wait for this. The response to his album was so bad. I thought that this was going to be the worst album I ever heard in my life. And I'm not the biggest Cardi fan. I would consider myself to be more on the casual side. I do recognize his talent. I just wasn't a die-hard fan for him. So I went in relatively unbiased. I knew what people were saying, so maybe that lowered my expectations a little bit. But frankly, I think all those people were wrong. Now, this wasn't the answer. This wasn't a top 10 album of the year. But it was a solid project. I think the length was a little bit of overkill, but... There was some songs on here that I could still listen to right now. 
His flow was still fresh. I enjoyed the voices he chose for a lot of the songs as well. I don't think that this was an album that was pure trash. I would say at minimum, half the songs on the album were solid, with a few highlights here and there. So I have to come out and say on behalf of Behold Pop Culture that on this side of things, we approve Whole lot of Red if you have ever enjoyed a Cardi song. Meanwhile, Eminem dropped his sequel album, Music To Be Murdered By Side B, which was a solid project lyrically. I disagreed with some of the choices on the production side of things, but he delivered as Eminem. What can I say? Little Wayne dropped his mixtape, No Ceilings 3, which also had its fair share of songs, but there also was a project that I still have to get to, which was Taylor Swift's new album, Evermore. So it wasn't too much craziness going on in the music industry, but if Drake decides to drop, there's only a couple more weeks left in January, he might take the whole music section for me to dissect that album. Until then, one question that's been on my mind is, what has your musical experience been over the break? Speaking for myself, my musical experience usually goes along with me doing something, being active, or at least an attempt to be, and my musical consumption actually tends to decrease over breaks, which is why I'm curious to hear what your experience is like. Do you take more time to listen to music? Do you have music playing at home with your relatives, with your friends and family? Or does it decrease like me? I assume that typically the music industry tries to stray away from late December, early January, because this is a time where people aren't really looking for new music as passionately. But as usual, you got to question everything. You got to learn and try and figure things out. So I'm being curious here and would love to hear your input on what your experience has been. On the film side of things, there was one movie that, for a small brief moment, did take over a lot of people's timelines, and that was the new Disney movie Soul, which I have watched and did enjoy. I do recommend this movie for everyone, and my no-spoiler review is that I think it did a great job of capturing a lesson that was easy for the older audience to understand. The graphics, the animation was phenomenal. The best I've seen out of Disney, Pixar. It was great to see so many prominent black characters. They looked great. The actual story was very interesting. It was unique. It was a different approach on the meaning of life, what a soul is, what it should be and how you should carry yourself with regards to being passionate about things you indulge in. It's one of those movies that makes you think about what your legacy will be when your life is complete. So if you were able to check out that movie, if you have any specific opinions that might be worth sharing, let me know. I'm open to have any conversations about it. It's one of those things where I don't want to spoil the movie because the experience is within your first time seeing it as the realizations about what its purpose was. 
start hitting you live and direct. But other than that, the film industry is due for some revolution to some extent. As this year, I've spoken on it a little bit before, this whole movies coming straight to TV is a real thing. The Soul movie went straight to Disney+. Plus. You didn't need to pay any extra fees. HBO Max is going to be implementing something similar. So it remains to be seen whether or not this will work from a business perspective. But as well as from an actual fan perspective, will we take on this new way of viewing movies and adopt it and truly enjoy it? So in typical conclusion fashion, we end off with the gaming section of the podcast with the overarching question that is, what will gaming show us in 2021? To end out the year, everyone was struggling to get their hands on a console. We had the release of some major games like Cyberpunk, Spider-Man Miles Morales. The entire gaming industry was hyping up what is to come with the next-gen consoles. And this is their year to prove it. Many people have finally squeaked in, including myself, to get their hands on a next-gen console. And once people are bought into the first wave of consoles, the question will be what game will keep them there? What does Sony have to put out to keep people on PlayStation? Microsoft hyped up this whole generation for themselves. Nintendo is going to have to keep their foot on the gas pedal with their upcoming releases. This is supposed to be an exciting time for gamers. This is supposed to be the ushering in of gaming truly into the culture, the fabric of the way people think and move, the explosion of the industry as it's reaching new heights that were never even thought of before. We're here. And I can't wait to see where it goes. It seems like now more than ever, the pressure is being put on these gaming companies to deliver. They have so much hype built up around these games. And as more people enter the market, both as those constructing the games and as fans of games, people want the best possible games more than ever. They're in a time of demand. We entered a pandemic. And gaming boomed. The pressure is on. And I can assure you that here at Behold Pop Culture, we will continue to apply the pressure. Now that I have my hands on it, I'm going to be able to judge these games for myself. I'm going to come in and let you know what the real deal is with these companies that are capitalizing on the growing market that is the gaming industry. There'll be plenty of moments throughout this year if they keep their act together. And I hope that I can come and only have praise to give to these companies. Even though I know that's going to be some high expectations for them to meet. With that being said, I have welcomed in the new year. This will be a year for Behold Pop Culture to grow alongside you the people that fuel it, the people that I'm so passionate about being able to deliver to. And I keep trying to find ways to improve. I had a lot of brainstorming that went on over this break, trying to find ways to be more efficient, 
to bring better content, potentially expand if the opportunity ever presented itself. But that's going to stay behind the scenes. For now, we have a new Instagram account to go along with this, so I don't have to just use my personal account to promote the podcast. If you really want to join and be a fan, I'm going to be moving things there. I'm going to be trying to post content from the podcast, hopefully in a shortened version, where if you don't get the chance to listen right away, maybe you could take away a lesson or two and go about your day. I wanted to consolidate it and just create a home for Behold Pop Culture outside of, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major podcast provider. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of 2021, technically the first episode of the second season of the podcast, and just another step on the journey of this podcast. I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.